0: yak gadget for all your fine kayak fishing accessory needs go to yakgadget.com. eastport marina on the beautiful shores of dale hollow lake for all your lodging kayaking and fishing needs go to eastport.info now let's get this show started
2: all right everyone welcome back to another episode of bass fishing for noobs here on the paddle and Fin podcast i am your host sean lavery And uh, we're doing take two of this uh, uh, attempt at this uh, recording because the first (laughs) one got mangled horribly. So um, I wanted to introduce our our guest tonight. He hasn't been on the Paddle and Fin show for a while. He was on the OG show uh, two years ago, I think, if I'm doing my math correctly. Um, So but this is the first time here on the Bass Fishing for Noobs segment. Uh, Welcome, Jameson Renning. Yeah,
3: thanks for having me.
2: Uh, Excited to to chat with you some it's been a, been a minute since i was
3: on the podcast uh,
2: so i'm glad to be back and you sound crystal clear right now so hopefully that stays <laughs> that way <laughs> um uh for the folks who don't know who you are or maybe haven't uh didn't uh, have been new listeners since uh you've been on uh, just uh tell the folks who you are where you're from you know kind of how you got into fishing
3: yeah So Jameson Redding, again, um, from North Carolina. I live in the foothills uh, here in a little town called Rhonda, which is kind of in between Boone and Winston-Salem, real small town on the banks of the Yakin River, um, which is also a real small river. Um, But I grew up here and then uh, moved to Florida for college. And that's kind of when I, even though I fished when I was a kid, that's kind of when the fishing bug really got a hold of me. Um, I was able to get out and wade some and ended up getting a boat, but it was all inshore. So redfish, speckled trout, that kind of thing. Had a little center console boat. Um, I met my wife and and her father fished a lot. So I would always, you know, sneak on the boat with him any chance I could get. Um, But it wasn't until I moved back after college, uh, gosh, it's probably been four, fifteen, sixteen 15, 16 years now um, that I moved back to my, my hometown and, you know, had the fishing bug, but like couldn't really access the water the same way. Um, the boat was useless here where I live unless I was going to go to a lake or whatever, but there's tons of rivers. I have the new river that's really close. Um, the French broad not far. The Yakin is close. A lot of smaller streams. Uh, so my buddies, uh, we would go and try to wade different sections. Um, but access is, is an issue. Like if you don't have the landowner's permission, or you're trying to access from like, you know, public areas, there's only so much water you could really cover. So we actually started floating some of the rivers in canoes. And uh, eventually we just didn't feel like we were able to, again, to have the independence that we wanted. We were, you know, two of us in a canoe at a time. There was three of us. So we were either taking turns or, you know, it just wasn't really working out. So (laughs) we actually ended up all three buying our first kayaks um, the same day. we bought uh, wilderness systems tarpon uh they they bought tarpon 120 a tarpon 100 and i ended up getting a commander 120 um so uh it wasn't the right boat for the river it was a good boat but it was very open uh for those of you that remember the commander it was uh like kind of a canoe kayak hybrid and uh yeah, it would take water over the bow sometimes in some of the <laughs> rapids of the New River. And a couple of times, if it wasn't for my buddies, that boat might still be sitting on the bottom. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that all kind of just led to the passion for kayak fishing and and starting to realize uh, access is the big thing. You could just drop in anywhere and really cover a lot more water than, than what you could do wading or even in a canoe in some scenarios. And also realize that, hey, this boat is very useful outside of just river fishing you know lakes small ponds or even inshore and offshore and so we started traveling a little bit and uh i got started fishing some ifa redfish tournaments just so i could get an excuse to get back to saltwater i've got the rivers here locally but you know don't have redfish here so having that uh excuse to go do it was cool and uh that led me to being on the jackson uh team i ended up getting in the coosa after i realized the commander wasn't the right boat for the river. Um, and then I ended up on the Jackson team and now I'm the uh, brand manager of fishing over at Jackson kayak. So, uh, fast forward, you know, over the last 12, 13 years of doing it and, uh, still, still doing it and still in Jackson. So it's pretty cool.
2: That's, that is pretty cool. And that, you know, to, to be, you know, that long with, uh, one brand is pretty impressive in our sport anyway, it seems to people kind of jump around. So, yeah, yeah. And you bleed, bleed one company for a long time. That shows, uh, shows something about you, I think a little bit. So well, there's definitely time,
3: you know, it, it's, uh, you know, like any relationship I consider Jackson, a family, really the team and, and the people that work there. And, um, you know, sometimes it's just dis- dysfunctional family and sometimes everybody's getting along. <laughs> so, right. There's going to be but,
2: ebbs and flows for anything, right? So yeah. yeah. Right out the bad times. They
3: were going anywhere else for sure. Um, um, cool. I love, I love the brand and I, I love that it's enthusiasts, um, that do it. So whether it's the whitewater guys or, or, you know, the fishing side, we're all users of the product and uh, we believe in, you know, trying to make a product that can help get you out there and do what you want to do. And so, um, that's why I've always uh, stuck with them.
2: Right. And, and so that led you to uh, road trip angler. How's that going yeah. or what's, what's that like? So kind of reversing a little bit a couple of years back or a few
3: years back. And I think you and I talked about this before the show started. I I met you on one of these trips, um, but basically we used to uh, kind of put together this thing. It was actually Brooks, Betty and I, uh, our idea a little bit, um, along with James, our marketing director, to go to our dealers and kind of meet up with some of the local team members that we have at Jackson and just, you know, fish their water and experience what that, that area had to offer, whether it was the food, the dealer, the, the people that lived in the area and the and the fisheries um, and capture all that uh, through through the lens of both photo and video and kind of come back with, you know, the experiences and getting to meet and hang out with everybody, but also then telling that story and trying to put some great content out that our dealer could share the people that were on the trip could share and Jackson could share. Um, so you know, we did that for a few years and it was on one of those trips to shanks Mare, as you mentioned earlier, um, before we started the podcast where we were fishing the Susquehanna and kind of did this tour of Pennsylvania, but, um, chasing all river fishing. Actually, we, um, we hooked up with a couple of dealers there and, you know, it was just a really good time. I had never fished the Susquehanna before, but that's kind of what led to what were the road trip angler project. Um, so, you know, fast forward, we we went through some some ups and downs at Jackson as far as financially, and then we were, we're back good now and kind of restructured a lot of how we do things as a brand. And we wanted to get back um, to that, visiting to dealers and, and hanging out with the team members and really just like showcasing the community, the kayak Christian community and the different regions across the country. And so the idea for Road Trip Angler kind of, spawn from that and it was basically hey i'll go and now we're going to bring a a camera crew a production crew along with us and i'm just kind of connecting the dots if you will like introducing the locals introducing the shop and exploring the different regions so um, it's off to a good start we filmed a couple of locations we've got three more locations to go for the first season and then sometime this summer that will be airing on uh, what used to be fox sports it's now called bali sports So they have regional networks across the country, and it'll air on all of those regional networks. And then uh, we'll also put out digital content through Jackson's YouTube channel and through my Instagram and Facebook and whatnot. So um, it's been a lot of fun so far, and I'm looking forward to the next few
2: episodes for sure. That sounds like an awesome way to, you know, kind of travel around and uh, see new spots, learn new places you know, plus get, you know, keep in contact with your dealers. Cause I know, uh, yeah. Devin at Shanks mayor, uh, talks highly of you guys and, you know, the relationship he has with, uh, Jackson. Um, that's actually where I got my, my Coos HD. Um, I bought it from there. And, um, I think the, the time that I just happened to run into you, I stopped by, um, and I was like, ah, Devin, whose trailer is that outside? He's always <laughs> like, Oh, that's James and Redding. And, he's in that camper out there if you want to go meet him. So pretty much we, living in his parking lot. Yeah. We walked out knocked on the door of the camper and he's like, yeah, this is James Renning. I was like, Holy cow.
3: So yeah. nothing's no. really changed, man. Like still like, I love that aspect of, and that that's actually the kind like what I said earlier, like realizing that you could take a kayak anywhere, you know, you, you can't, there's not really a boat out there. So like, if you're a bass fisherman, you get a bass boat, you can't take that and run, parts of the susquehanna right like i'm not going to take that and go down to louisiana and chase redfish and it. it's just not the right tool um but you mentioned the coos hd i can take that boat offshore i can take it inshore i can take it down a river um and it all fits in the bed of my pickup uh so that's yeah same same thing and that you know just being able to to go and explore new areas and new waterways um
2: i think is what one of the coolest things about kayak fishing it's really kind of a universal tool it pretty much you know can do most things pretty well yeah for sure yeah awesome so i mean uh one of the reasons why i wanted to bring you on tonight is um you know i i've you know obviously live right by the susquehanna so river fishing is huge for me uh i used to be super intimidated by it and i've you know you know, once I got out there and realized, Hey, how many fish I could catch and, you know, be really, you know, just got to learn my area of the Susquehanna there, um, you know, and realized, you know, it really is, you know, pretty navigable and n- nothing to be too crazy about as long as you're smart about it. And, you know, I always take a peek at the flow rates and stuff like that and make sure it's safe. But, um, you know, and, uh, as long as I do that, you know, it's, it's mag- a magical place for me. So, for sure. um, and I know, you know, and it was the weirdest thing for me because I just took for granted when I hear people talking about river fishing that they mean a huge mile wide river. Yeah. And it wasn't until uh, my old co-host and I were talking about, well, he's like, I was like, well, how how wide bank to bank is the river that you fish regularly? He's like, uh, you know, maybe a hundred yards, maybe yeah. at the widest. And I was like, holy crap. <laughs> and then yeah. it just hit me and I was like, you know what, holy cow, that, you know, we're talking about, even though we're both talking about fishing rivers, we're really talking about two entirely different things. So.
3: Oh, yeah. The first time when we came up, uh, it was Brooks and I, and I think it might have been his first time on the Susquehanna as well. And uh, yeah, the first day that we accessed the water, a friend of ours uh, dropped a pin, Russell Johnson um, dropped a pin for us on a spot that he liked to fish. Well, I don't know if we realized it. Maybe we did. I'm pretty sure we looked at Google Earth, but uh, there was an island or maybe two islands kind of splitting the river up. So we we were able to kind of look at it as just like a smaller river, the way we were used to fishing here. Um, and the next day we went to that area and I cannot remember the name of it, but there's the iconic Statue, Statue of Liberty right. out in the middle. Yep. And we got out of the truck there and I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to do, man. Like, because it was just so overwhelming. How many, you know, rock ledges and and the water, how it was flowing. And I was just like, man, are there fish all the way across this? Are they are they concentrating in one area? Like, it was just a new challenge for me to to try to break down a river that was that wide um, and try to figure out where to fish. Um, when I'm used to, like you said, like the hundred yard, you know. Some of the areas are even more narrow, like we fish some stuff that arguably may not even be navigable by kayak. And we just (laughs) use the kayak to get from, you know, shoal to shoal and then get out and wade and drag the boat in a lot of places. So it it does range like river fishing can be totally different things, um, depending on the river you're talking about and, you know, even what type of uh, species that you're chasing.
2: Okay. Um, like, is there if, there, if there's a similarity to it, would it be that you're targeting moving water, current breaks, that kind of thing?
3: Yeah, for sure. And even, even inshore, man, it, that's why I think I like uh, inshore and river fishing are kind of my two top things. It's, it's all current base and I'm sure it, it is to some extent on lakes. You know, I've heard people talk about when they start releasing water and it starts to draw a current um, that it turns the bite on, but you've got that constantly in a river and um for me again like it was here on the new river and the early stages of the new River, we have the north and south fork of the new and where they come together uh here locally close to where i live so very small and then they get a little bigger a little bigger um but that river continues to grow as it as it goes and so i'm fishing the the beginning of some of that water and uh yeah. When, when I look at it, it depends on, I think the time of year, obviously, and, um, you know, what we're doing right now, we're starting to see a transition, uh, where the fish are becoming a little more active and mo- and we'll start moving from their winter holes, um, into what I really like to fish, which is when they're, um, kind of that, uh, I guess it'd be pre-spawn and they're, they're feeding up and they're just aggressive and they're moving into more of the swifter, higher, higher oxygenated water. Um, and they'll just smack a chatterbait or, you know, whatever. Um, and so I'm looking forward to those months and it's interesting to me how it is. We have a river South of us in South Carolina called the broad and the broad has smallmouth in it and it turns on really, really good. Usually about a month before the new does in Virginia. So it's, it's always interesting to see how it starts to turn on and then you kind of like finish up there and then move over to, the, to the new, but I'm not saying you can't catch fish on the new right now, because like my buddy, Timmy Dixon, who lives on the new has been slaying some twenties uh, the last couple of days. Wow. So uh, yeah, he's been getting the big girls to bite, um, but he's slow rolling. It a, 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 looks like he's slow rolling some chatter baits and some crank baits and kind of around their wintering holes. So they're starting to get active and starting to move and it's starting to get exciting for sure.
2: Yeah, that's always a fun time when it just starts to get warm enough and you start, you know, picking them off and you're not having to do those super slow winter presentations or yeah. you know, like hair jigs or jerk baits as much. I mean, jerk mm-hmm. baits are fun, but.
1: Learn more at marines.com.
2: So, okay, cool. Um, And uh, so you kind of target moving water. And I know I take for granted too, even structure like uh, and cover, you know, on, on Susquehanna, it's rocky ledges and a lot of rock, but a lot of rivers, it's more down trees and that kind of thing right you know yeah i think i think that's when it kind of comes into play too so like here
3: we're kind of lucky we're in that zone where we have largemouth smallmouth, and some rivers even have spotted bass um in them so it's interesting because you can tell like i don't know if you've spent a lot of time catching you know different like multiple species in the same river but you can always almost tell what what you have on while you're fighting it Right. Um, you know, you're like, okay, I don't think this is a small mouth. This is coming up to jump or whatever, you know, you start to figure that out. Um, but it's also interesting to see. And I, I mentioned the broad earlier. Um, there are some areas that do have both large mouth and small mouth, but they will be even remote, just slightly different, uh, what they're holding to. Um, and, and then as you break the river down a little bit bigger, it's, it's even more so like that. So, I always kind of say that the water between smallmouth waters is usually a largemouth water or spotted bass water. Um, And then as you move into the more swifter current, the higher, uh, highly oxygenated stuff where you've got some some rock ledges and you've actually got maybe some mild rapids or whatever, that tends to be more like the smallmouth water. Now I'm talking about in the spring when the fish are um, feeding, you know, not not wintertime holes or anything, but right. Um, so i think it depends on what you're targeting and what your river holds uh if if you have a river with a lot of rocks and and stuff and you have smallmouth, then you definitely want to be targeting the rocks um and the lee side usually i like to personally face up river um as much as possible and and cast upriver and bring my bait downriver. so i'll set up not in the eddies and 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 for those that don't know what what i mean when i say an eddy it's Basically, you've got all the current coming down river and let's say you have a boulder or something in the middle that's creating a current break. And that current break behind the boulder is going to be your eddy where the water kind of swirls. And sometimes it will even flow back up towards the, the rock. Um, so what's happening is any kind of bait or um, food that's coming down, you know, those fish usually will face up current and sit on those, those seams where the swift water and the slack water kind of meet uh, when they're feeding aggressively. Uh, So I like to cast up river, maybe even, you know, above uh, the boulder or whatever, and then have it come down and just kind of rip into that, that seam, or even all the way into that eddy and kind of work it um, as many different ways uh, and angles as possible. Um, And a lot of times that's where, when they're being aggressive and they're feeding, that's where they're going to hang out. Um, So the same thing can be said about largemouth. They're going to be in slower water, likely holding to wood, sometimes rock, but you know, a lot more wood usually involved there. So you got down trees and whatnot, but the same kind of thing, they're going to be in the, in the little current breaks on the edges and stuff, even though it's less current, they're still current. Um, So you're just applying that on a different scale.
2: Interesting. And I'm thinking about what you're saying about casting above the boulder and letting it come down maybe across that boulder and then into the current seam Mm -hmm. and into the eddy. Um, What kind of lures are you doing that, that that works by like a lot of times when i was fishing you know what, what i've gotten comfortable with is kind of sitting at the uh the tail end of the eddy and casting up right behind that rock but you're saying cast further than that and let it come come yes yeah, sometimes uh like even if you have a ledge and you've got the
3: water kind of pushing up to that ledge upstream um the official will sit up there as well so i like to bring the bait over the ledge and then into the pool. Um, a lot of times, a fish will literally sit in that white water, like right, like if you got a small r- r- waterfall or rapid, they'll sit right up in there um, in that white water. Uh, so then you can bring it. So, I mean, you kind of want to try everything um, as far as types of lures, man. It really, it really does change uh, throughout the season. But if the fish are up there and they're in that kind of zone feeding, then I love throwing a chatterbait um it's my favorite bait to throw uh i joke if they're sometimes if they're not eating and i'm like well they're not biting today but that doesn't mean they're not biting but it's like i just love throwing it and um so that's one of my go-tos uh another one if you can uh get a good topwater uh coming across and this is more in the seams it's hard to work a topwater in the swifter stuff um but i'll definitely throw some spooks and stuff like that um Mm -hmm. when the when the Bite does start to turn on. It's a little early for that right now Um, in my water for smallmouth, especially um, here. Um, But as, as we move into the spring a little bit more and they're aggressive, definitely topwater baits, um, Z-man pop shads, those uh, you can't beat a spook. I mean, a spook, a spook junior um, always have something like a, a streaks or a fluke type bait that I can just kind of work either weightless or just slightly weighted so that if they do hit, the top water amiss. I'll always kind of set that down and follow up with that soft plastic. It's going to ride just below the surface, and a lot of times you'll you'll entice that bite, um, you know, and actually hook the fish if they if they slash at the top water or miss it. So I like having something like that ready to go. Um, but yeah, it, I, I throw a chatterbait a lot, um, but spinner bait works great too. And uh, I think when I first started fishing smallmouth in my head, I thought, okay, large mouth will eat the bigger baits. They got a bigger mouth, small mouth. are going to want smaller baits because they have a smaller mouth. So like literally when I first started doing this in the kayak, I was throwing like rooster tails and stuff and uh, catching a lot of fish, but a lot of small fish occasionally get a decent one. And I think one time we were goofing off and we caught like a, call them red eye, but there, it's a little rock bass, like a small, about the size of my hand. And my buddy's like, "Well, I'm going to put that down as a live bait and see if I can't catch a musky on it. <laughs> and uh, so you can do that here. If you catch them hook, hook, hook in line, you can actually use like a brim or whatever is bait. bait. Uh, so he hooks it through the nose and sends it out to catch a musky. Right. And we're like, yeah, whatever. And the rod goes off. And so he's fighting this fish and turns out it's like an 18 and a half inch smallmouth that has choked this, wow you know, hand size uh you know fish down its throat and so light bulb right like we're throwing too small stuff like these guys are aggressive and they're gonna eat like bigger baits and so now i'm literally i'm throwing like a half ounce jackhammer with a five inch diesel minnow as a trailer and still just catching you know 16 17 inch fish on that i mean they're aggressive fish and when they're feeding in that that swifter water um don't be afraid of the bigger baits. I don't like that. You know, big baits do catch bigger fish sometimes. And, um, so I'll
2: it's do funny. that a lot. It's funny that you say that because, uh, my first confidence bait on the river was a rooster tail and oh, it
3: catches everything.
2: It, it really did. I mean, I was catching catfish and everything, but, um, it was just easy to do. And I seemed to have good luck on it. And it wasn't till like, kind of last year that i was like you know what i'm just going to graduate up a little bit and i started doing you know crankbaits and uh you know uh, rattle traps and stuff and realized that my the quality of fish that i was catching did definitely go up you know yeah for sure I started to
3: weed out some of the smaller guys um but talking about crankbaits that's another great one i kind of use the crankbait as uh like say right before, uh, the fish have kind of moved into that real aggressive top water slash chatterbait pattern. Like right now is when I'm, I'm starting to throw crankbaits and stuff. Um, it gets down a little deeper and you want it to kind of divert off the rocks, but you can kind of move into those, not quite as shallow and and fast moving pools, but you still have current and you've got a little bit deeper water. It's a great way to kind of find those fish as they start to transition and it works in the fall as 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 well so you know that october time frame for us down here and i'm even up there you guys are you guys have pretty aggressive fish in october up there but um as you start to move into those like little bit cooler mornings and whatnot the crankbait um and just going with one that is is going to run deep enough to bounce off stuff you know you don't want it you want it in the rock um you know, not the whole time, but like you want it to definitely hit, like be skimming the surface so it diverts and stuff. Cause a lot of times when it does that hit and, you know, diverts off of it, that's when they're going to take it.
2: But, uh, yeah, that's was, another uh, go to for sure. My, uh, PB Smalley, I got last October. It was either October or the very beginning of November. Uh, it was 20 and a quarter and it came on a, uh, a quarter, a, uh, a rattle trap. So, but I had been throwing the, you know, the, the square bill all summer and having real good luck on it too so i yeah you know i definitely see the place for both and um what i really i really like the crank or the the square bill for coming across ripples and stuff where yep. you know because it just doesn't hang up that much where uh, right. it's pretty much everything else i would throw in those ripples would, you know i'd get snagged and have to kind of go right in there and mess it all up get my bait back yeah. so I may or may not have snuck out this afternoon to go fishing for a little bit, <laughs> and
3: uh, the square bill was was on for me today. Uh, nice, it was all it was all largemouth today, but um, yeah, they definitely were heading in. I did get a couple to eat the chatterbait because I can't help it; I've got to throw it, <laughs> and I got a couple to take a spinnerbait too. But uh, the majority of my fish were on a square bill today for sure.
2: And what's your water temperatures down there right now? Uh,
3: you know what? I didn't even check it. I would. So where I went today was was a warmer area, Um, and uh, I waited till the evening. Today we got up into the almost 70 degrees air temp-wise. So I would say the water temp was in the high 50s, maybe pushing uh, low 60s. Um, But that's because of the river that I was in. Like, it's not that warm on the okay. new where the smallmouth are hanging out. So, okay. um, but that's why I was able to get away with, and I fished around uh, a lot of rock uh, riff raft that was heating up with the sun. Uh, yeah. And that's where the the crankbait was getting it done was where that uh, late afternoon and the sun had been shining on that rock all day and it just it had the fish turned on for sure. Nice. But I didn't check the. I didn't even have a fish finder on the boat today. So I just, you know, I was just
2: throwing stuff and it found one that worked (laughs) nice. Nice. I was out on Sunday and it was our water temperatures. The warmest I saw was just over 40. So yeah, we're still (laughs) pretty cold, but um, I'm looking forward to it. And then we're like today, we got up to uh, like low fifties and we're supposed to see the sixties tomorrow. So it should be starting to warm up here. Finally, I think breaking out of that cold spell, but um, I was curious um, when you say you're throwing the chatterbait up past that, if it's mm-hmm. coming with the current, how do you keep up with it? Like, how do you, well, so, you know, the, your reel
3: has some to do with that. Uh, and also I think the weight, I throw a half ounce a lot. Um, I know a lot of guys will throw the three eights, uh, and I'm, but the half is gonna, I feel like you can get it down a little bit better so that it's, it's not going to skim the surface. You're not having to like burn it. Or if you are burning it, it's not going to jump up top as easy. Um, But, yeah, again, so, like, I'm not – I will try to, like, cross the current at an angle. So, like, uh, maybe, like, a 45 or so. So, I'm not always just throwing directly upstream and bringing it directly back down. I'm trying to, like, cross those seams. So, if you have, like, a shelf where you've got multiple places where you've got kind of a a shoot, you know, you can throw it up in one and then kind of bring it out of that into the seam and into the eddy. Gotcha. Um, And then – but, again, man, they just – sometimes there's no they could be anywhere like so i just fan cast the crap out of uh, just about (laughs) every ledge and that's what did make it a little bit difficult uh for me fishing up there on the susquehanna was i wanted to throw at everything um and and being the only time or the first time that i had been on a lot of that water you know not knowing what pockets are just a little bit uh, deeper or you know a little bit shallower or whatever um but we were able to to figure it out we we hit one section that had bigger ledges with deeper water below it um and that that fish i mean it was very much the same as what we see here when we were on that and and then we could even see the fish like following uh when we'd hook one another one would be like you know following it so you know always following up with with another like bait and even putting that fish on fish grips while you do that um, is a great way to like I guess, really take advantage of a hole that's got multiple fish in it. So you're not letting one go back in it, you know, while you're sitting there trying to pull more out. Um, But but yeah, if you've got, so like, I will fish a faster speed, like at least a seven to one, but like, I've got one that's an eight to one, I believe on one of my reels, just so I can keep up with it. And it's really more so like, I'll, I'll slow roll, you know, I will slow down my reels as I'm reeling, until I know that the bait is like kicking and you can feel it usually on the rod tip. Right. So as long as that thing's chattering, I'm good. And if I need to speed up, I have, I have the uh, ratio to do so, you know, to be able to get it through that current. Um, But the bigger, they they swim pretty good, man. Like you'd have to be in pretty swift water not to be able to, to get it to thump a little and having that bigger five inch uh, diesel minnow as a trailer on there
2: definitely gives it some kick. Cool. No, no, that makes a lot of sense, and I I've heard the forty five thing, so I was curious if that's what uh, forty five degree angle uh, a lot. And uh, again, that's something I tend to employ too because I feel like you know if you can make a longer cast, you can cover a little bit more water. Whereas where, if you're just sitting trying to shoot directly above the right. you know the break and just bring it back down through, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I know I don't know if where you fished on the squint I had much grass, but um, kind of down where I fished. there are pretty big patches of grass and Mm -hmm. that's where i really go for the the weightless fluke and stuff because it's something i can kind of just let kind of lay on the very tops of that grass and get hammered that way too
3: yeah for sure some of the areas i did fish uh had that grass um and that is another reason i like the chatterbait is it does a better job getting through that than some of the other baits uh do and they even make some weedless versions uh of the of the chatterbait i throw a jackhammer a lot but yeah it, it will definitely um it does pretty well on the grass as long as it's not that snot grass right like as long as it's just real grass like it'll come through it pretty good um and uh it's very popular bait that, that people use like on the delta and stuff a lot where you have a lot of grass
2: uh, no and I, I heard that and um we have a kind of a mixture we do have some of the snotty grass but yeah that's stuff really. is, obnoxious and that that stuff drove me crazy the first time you know i i started fishing that i was like what the heck comes through this without getting all yeah you know or you're cleaning off every time you come back but um not a crankbait no definitely not (laughs) and uh but oddly enough the fish do kind of hang in there sometimes you know Mm -hmm. but uh you know yeah
3: i noticed that about so like we don't on the new where i fish we don't have a lot of that it's definitely more rock boulders you know that kind of stuff um some some trees that are down and whatnot but the the smallmouth in the spring for sure and in the fall are going to hold more to the the swift like closer to the the ledges and the and the riffles and rapids or whatnot um but when i was up there uh i did a float trying to think of when we were up there with the take two had just came out uh the jackson take two and i went up there and fished with josh evans um and we we floated pretty good amount i mean like i don't think i think we did like four or five miles and there were a lot of fish a lot of, it was different for me to fish smallmouth in, in that grass and around that grass like they were around like the islands in the middle of the river and there'd be grass flats kind of coming on the in those eddies on the back side of some of those islands and uh, so it was interesting to me to catch smallmouth in what looked like a large mouth spot to me. Like I would have thought that's, that's a large mouth spot, but I guess, <laughs> I guess when you have tons of small mouth, like you guys do, it's a small
0: mouth spot.
2: Yeah, no. And uh, all the, you know, I, I think why I fished the river for oh uh, a lot. And I think I've only ever caught two large mouth on the river. You know? Yeah.
3: So I don't think it's a, there's some, we have some on the new here, but like uh, the Yacon River, for example, which is closer to my, my house here, it's a, used to be a lot kind of i would say more smallmouth um now it's spotted bass like it's just spotted bass have taken it over but um so yeah it's uh, definitely heavy but i think i think a river fish in general like i'm not a big largemouth guy like i love smallmouth uh when it comes to largemouth in a lake like i'll do it but I got my choice, I'm going smallmouth river fishing, right? Yes, Um, but but even in even in a river, largemouth are a different animal, like they fight way harder. And the fact that they're in that current, yeah, I'll take it, right? But uh, (laughs) pretty much, yeah, river guy,
2: (laughs) every fish that I've caught on the river for the most part has put up more fight than any lake fish I've ever caught, you know? Yeah,
3: and, and some of it may be the current, but I don't care, like it still feels better.
2: On the rod, yeah. right? <laughs> no, I I agree with you, man, hundred uh, percent. But uh, um, I was I thought of a question there, and I it just totally slipped my mind. Uh, oh, what was I gonna think? Uh, what was I gonna ask? Uh, I just it just it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I know what I was gonna ask you. Um, when you're positioning, are you usually um, just like how are you holding your position? Are you anchoring? Or are you just paddling to keep up, or pedaling, or sorry, my GoPro just started beeping at me. I had a
3: GoPro laying here. i the tell you one it started beeping at me. But um anyway, so yeah, I, I've tried a little bit of everything. Um I ran a drag chain for a long time, and I still think that it can be very useful. But the only issue I really kind of have with the drag chain is I end up facing downriver, and I really want to fish. Yep, I was just going to say that. Um, so I've played around with some different things and, and some of the places that I fish, you can literally just like wade a lot of it. So I, and I've done this on this, on the Susquehanna a couple of times as well, when we were up there, um, was like, put the boat, um, definitely do this when it's a little warmer or have the right gear on when you're going to do it, but put the boat like up on a rock or a ledge, get out and kind of wade and uh, fish it that way. And that works really well um, when you do have the more shallow or, you know, more exposed rocks that you can get out and walk around on. Don't think of the kayak as being like, I have to fish from the kayak. The kayak can get you to a lot of places and then you can still get out and walk around and and fish the water and really work it and then keep all your gear in the kayak. And I've, I've even drug the kayak like, probably a mile behind me like it floating most of the time right but i've got a strap or whatever around my waist and just kind of walking and and working the water that way when you do have shallower like knee-deep type water that the fish are holding in um but what i found to work really well um recently is i've taken one of the anchor wizards and mounted it off the bow um so i've got the the pulley or the whatever you know the real part of the anchor wizard mounted kind of at my hip And then I run the line down the side and off the bow with their, their, uh, I don't know what you call it, their deployment system. shoot thingy. Yeah. 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 And so that works really well. Uh, And I don't like using a claw anchor in the river because, you know, you don't want to get anchored in a river in general is something you really want to be prepared to cut your line in case something goes down. So I always tell people to have, I keep a, a knife right here on my chest on my PFD. As so, I like. yep. Uh, yeah. I mean, because you don't want to be in swift water and that anchor get hung up, but it can be a very valuable tool. So that, like you can buy the like round ball type anchors and they won't catch up as bad. I actually have a friend that uh, kind of made me one out of a solid piece of of metal and then he welded like a half of a giant flat washer on the top of it. Um, so it's just a cylinder. Um, I've seen people use window weights, like the old timey window weights. Oh yeah. Uh, So anything like that works or just, you can even do the drag chain, but do it off the bow. Um, and that, that could work too. You know, if you are floating though, you know, obviously keep an eye out behind you. Um, but all those things work really well to kind of hold your position, because the last thing you want to do is, is come down the current and then peel out into the eddy where you should be fishing. Right now you're sitting where you should be fishing and the current's going to naturally want to take you all the way back up to that boulder or rock ledge um, and just cycle you around like it's going to do the food that it's literally bringing to the fish. So like, you know, you want to kind of peel out later, like come down the the, the rapid or the shoot or whatever and and keep paddling and then circle back at, or the, at the tail end, but then work your way back up. Um, it, the fish aren't always all the way up at the ledge. Uh, a lot of times they'll be at the very, the very bottom of the, of the eddy, um, or the seam. So, you know, slowly kind of make a few casts and a few paddle strokes and just work your way up. And then if you need to anchor, you, you want to anchor where the current's still kind of pushing you down and cast into the eddy so that you're not going to like float back up river, um, in the, in the current where it's uh,
2: swirling. Right. Right. So, I've been watching a lot of Jeff Little, and he he really breaks down fishing. Yeah, that that the, dude is the, the, the three different, different parts of the eddy. You know, fishing yeah. right behind the structure, then kind of the mid, and then the tail where it tails out. And yeah. he he talks about so many times people sit right over the fish they should be fishing for, and I know that I've done that a lot after watching his videos. And yeah, so I'm really kind of looking forward to getting out there this year. Uh, yeah, it definitely like...
3: opens it up when you realize like that. There's like he said, I mean. And Jeff, I've learned a lot from him. I mean, uh, him and I are good friends. And before I even knew him, I I would watch some of his DVDs and just like, oh, this guy's like, (laughs) he has more, like he's forgotten more stuff than I'll ever (laughs) know. And I don't know if I'll ever have the level of commitment to really trying to understand every in and out of a smallmouth bass. But um, that dude is committed. Like he'll, you know, I mean, you know, he goes out there when it's like ice freezing rain, Blowing sideways, whatever, like, and he's still catching twenty-one inch, twenty-two inch smallmouth. I'm like, yeah, I don't, I won't be doing that, so I won't be catching those <laughs> fish. But, but, uh, yeah, he, he's, he's right, and uh, a lot of that I learn, you know, through other people. But then, just you know, accidentally sometimes, you know, you're like, you make a random cast, you're like, whoa, there's, there's a fish there, right? Um, and you start to realize, and it, it honestly is the same if you're fishing the same species and the water looks similar to, you know, at all, like if there's rock bottom and boulders and current breaks and all that, and you're fishing smallmouth and it's similar temperatures and then, you, eat, you know, food source and that kind of thing, like it's gonna like fish it the same way you would your home river. You know, if you're traveling somewhere, like start there and like, you'll figure it out. Like um, it may take you a minute to kind of, break it down and and start to develop a pattern on a new river but they're the same fish you know like they eat the same stuff (laughs) so right um it's just then dialing in the time of year and and where they're located Um, the nice thing about a river is you know if you're putting in and taking out like they're going to be somewhere in there like it's not like a lake where you've got acres and acres and acres of 60 foot deep
2: water in some places. And I mean,
3: like, I don't know how anyone breaks a lake down to be honest with you, but
2: yeah, (laughs) you know, I've, I've had people, you know, say that about the Susquehanna, but I'm like, Hey, at least there's visible stuff that you can look at, you know, and and see. Yeah. I think fish are going to be there. Whereas when I go to a lake, like you're saying, where I was just at one on Sunday and like, I'm looking at my depth finder and I'm like, Oh, now it's 40. Now it's 50. And I'm like, it looks like it should be 10, but <laughs> and, you, and you mark fish, and then you drop something
3: down to them, and they don't eat. And right, then like two hours later, they'll eat. Like I don't. <laughs> it's a uh, I'm much, much, much more enjoy you know river fishing.
2: Because uh, um, if you're
3: not catching fish, you're still kayaking a river, right? Like
2: oh yeah, and uh, oh the, the part of the Susquehanna we're at. I mean, I see bald eagles regularly. Um, I've That's seen beautiful. deer deer swimming across in front of me. Uh, you know the amount of awesome stuff there is to see. It's just amazing but you mentioned
3: uh, something earlier and i I, i'd kind of like to touch on it you know you talked about being intimidated you know by the river and i think that's where it helped us having a couple of buddies but we learned a lot of things the hard way um flipping kayaks losing rods breaking rods sinking kayaks like um we did a lot of dumb stuff and the information is out there now a lot more than it, and it probably was then I just didn't know to look or where to find it. But, um, if any, if your listeners have not fished a river or haven't gotten into a kayak yet, or they're just getting into kayak fishing, um, I would say do yourself a favor and go out on flat, calm water and learn some things. Uh, it's invaluable to, to go out and flip your boat on purpose. And and then learn what it takes to get it right side up, get back in it and do it with like, figure out what, you know, you need to do to keep your gear from going down the river. and Don't, you know, losing your paddle, make sure you got a life jacket that's fitted properly. Like you're dealing with moving water this time of year. As the days get warmer, the water, like you said, your water is still in the 40s. And I, I guarantee you, I don't know this, but the new is probably maybe 50, uh, or in the low fifties. And, uh, even if it's 60, 70 degrees outside, like you can't spend a lot of time in water that cool, um, and not get, you know, hypothermia. So there's definitely a lot of things that, you know, you do want to take into consideration is not to be intimidating. It's more just so that it doesn't have to be intimidating. Like you can be prepared, uh, to, to go in the water, always be prepared to swim because it could happen to anybody at any time. Um, and then just know like what you need to do to get yourself, you know, back to safety, uh, in your boat, um, you know, and that kind of thing. And I think, I think going out on some flat water and spending some time and learning the kayak and like I said, like literally turning over on, on purpose and see what it takes to get back in. And a lot of resources out there, um, that, and all those things are just going to like, allow you to be more comfortable while you're out on the water and not be intimidated. And the other thing I would say about river fishing, it's all about boat position. It is 100% about not sitting over top of the fish that you're trying to catch about running the rapid the right way, or, you know, like being able to face up river. Like you said, how do I hold that position? So I think it's also do yourself a favor. And again, there's lots of videos out there, but learn a few paddle strokes. Um, become an actual kayaker like it's kayak fishing and i know a lot of other anglers have said this you know like kayaking is half of like you're if you can kayak then you're going to be a better kayak fisherman because you know how to position your boat you know some strokes that will allow you to kind of walk your boat sideways or whatever and and get it where it needs to be Um, and how to keep your paddle kind of in your lap and ready to go Um, pedals on the types of rivers that I fish and even on the Susquehanna are going to be in some areas kind of useless, right? So like learning to paddle properly and how to maneuver the boat properly is going to help you position it so that you can catch more fish um, and be in the right place at the right time. So there's, there's some things there that I would encourage everybody to like learn some safety stuff. And, and really like dive into some paddle technique. You'll be more comfortable, you'll be less
2: tired and you'll be able to position the boat better to catch more fish. Absolutely. Uh, I, I was lucky enough Shanks mayor, uh, my local battles, uh, paddle shop, they offer classes. so eventually I took their classes and that, you know, they go through everything from you know riding yourself, they do paddle strokes, they teach all sorts of stuff like that. So uh, my level of comfort went way up past that and, um, I think you're hundred percent right. Like I, uh, when I got my Kusa, I went out empty and with the intent of flipping it. And I think it's really important that you, you, you kind of lean and see, so you can, you know, find that secondary stability and find where your point of no return is, you know, so, you know, yep. when you're out on the water and, you know, um, you know, you, you start leaning for a fish or leaning to pull a, you know, get a snag out or something like that, you know, how far you can go. Um, for sure so and it definitely just knowing you can get back in is a huge thing Um, and don't take for granted that you can because you know depending on the situation it can be definitely and you
3: add super cool water or cold air temps or whatever to that or you know you hit your knee on the way down like anything can happen and i remember we were floating uh, a river the river in south carolina the broad Um, The guy who said he had, he was a kayak fisherman Um, and he had kayak fished. He had a, he had a hoey pro angler, Um, but he had never river fished. And uh, he got, you know, one of those situations where the, the boat's going over a ledge, but the, the back end hangs up, right? So now you're teetering on the bow and the, and the back end. And he went in and it was, it was a warm day, man. It was like probably 65 to 70 degrees during the day. Um, but the water temps were still pretty cool and it started to get dark. So the temp- air temp dropped, like, I want to say it was November, but the air temp just went from like really nice during the day to like forties. Um, as soon as the sun started going down and that dude got hypothermia on us, like he could not like, he had no function. He couldn't get back in the boat. Um, he's wearing one of those inflatable like life jackets, which, I do wear those, especially like on flat water or inshore where it's shallow, but I do not wear those in in a river. Um, Some of the ones like the NRS ones do a lot better job. So if they do inflate, they're not like super uncomfortable, but like some of the other ones, the old school ones that you'd like carry around on your bass boot or whatever, like those things go off, man. Now you're like getting choked by your, (laughs) (laughs) then that's the one he had, right? Like it was like, there's no way he could wear it comfortably the rest of the trip. So like he was pretty much like trying to deflate it, which now it's useless, right? It's been, it's been set off and it's not going to do any good. Um, but yeah, he wasn't, he just wasn't prepared. Like he didn't have the right clothing. He didn't have the right life jacket and he just didn't know what to do. And so we had to like build a fire and get him like undressed and warm. And it just could have been bad. Like he couldn't stand up on his own once we got to the takeout, um, So, and it wasn't, it was such a small thing. Like, I mean, the water was knee deep that he fell out in and he stood up. Right. Like, but he got wet head to toe. Um, Mm -hmm. and then we still had quite a bit of river to go before the takeout and, uh, we didn't have clothes and it got dark and he got cold and, uh, luckily we got him warm and he got all right. But yeah, he was like straight up, you know, lost function (laughs) to, to his limbs. And, uh,
2: it, it got real close to having to be in a hospital trip for sure, right? Right, um, and so they talk a lot about in in the classes that Shanks Mayor teaches, and that I've heard other people say, is that you know, is if you respect the river and the, the power that it has, you know, you'll be okay as long as you, you're not being foolish. Like they talk about the 120 rule, where if the water temperature and air temperature don't add up to 120, then you probably should have some form of warmth on beyond yeah. just regular clothes, whether that's a dry suit or some kind of wetsuit, but, uh, you know, and so, uh, you know, I bit the bullet and bought a dry suit just so I could extend my season safely. Yeah, and- exactly. Like, you,
3: th- and that's the key right there. Like what you just said, it, you, you have no problem spending the money on baits and tackling rod and reel combos. Like, you know, get a dry, get, if you can extend the season and you look at what Jeff's catching in the winter time, like if you can extend your season safely, the man, reefer fishing, like it, it's going to produce some of the best memories like of your life. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. it's just so awesome, dude. Like, I love it.
2: I was going to ask you, so now you've obviously pedaled, you've paddled. I don't know. Do you motor at all? I do. And that was the
3: other thing I was going to bring up, um, in your, what you were talking about, the positioning, um, some areas, some of the rivers, like I said, that we fish are just super shallow. And a lot of times we're dragging boats. Um, but, uh, I had, I've, I've been with Torquedo for years and I've had like their ultralight 403 from way back. Um, and, uh, now I have the 1103 and in your river specifically and some of the rivers around here, like it can be a, a very valuable tool. Like it allows you to launch at one spot, go up river, fish your way up river, which now you've not even floated across any of that water. Um, and hold position in current, you know, using your feet to steer or whatever. Um, so I get, it kind of blew me away as a, and I never really thought about it as a river, um, you know, thing until more recently uh, just because uh, like I said, a lot of the rivers around here, you really couldn't use it as much, but now I'm actually seeing that you probably could have. I just assumed you couldn't, right? Like um, I've got the rock guard on there. Um, and that makes a huge difference. And yeah, it just, it really changes how you even access, because if you're able to go up river now quite a ways and fish, uh, you don't need that like second truck or to run a shuttle or any of that stuff. So, um, if you can afford it, uh, you don't need it for sure. Like you can totally fish a river without a motor did it for years. And a lot of people do, um, but and there, but there's a lot of options out there now. I'm partial to Torquedo. I think they make a great product and they stand by it. But um, you know, even a trolling motor uh, could probably get you into some stuff that uh, and really again extend. And, and there's purists that are like, well, that's not kayak fishing. Well, <laughs> I got into kayak fishing because I wanted to access water. Like it was the the right tool to put me on fish. Um, right. So if adding a motor to my kayak is is the right tool to get me to where, where I need to go to catch fish. Then I, I'm all for it. Like we'll put a 250 on the back if we can get on. <laughs> like, if, you know. <clears throat>
2: so I think uh, that's going to probably be one of my next major investments. I I I did the paddle thing to start, and now I pedal. And I think you know, just seeing how much further I can get with pedal versus paddle. I think adding a motor just, you know, I, I can right off the top of my head, I can think of places right by me that I, I could get to that I, uh, you know, even if I, I could get there pedaling, but I'm going to be so wiped out from getting up there right. that, you know, it's going to be, you know, just not <clears throat> enjoyable. So um, but the cool thing about the motor, um, especially, in know, if you
3: can add the foot steering um, over, you know, when you're pedaling, you still kind of have to have your hand on that rudder. Right. Uh, the way, but now your feet control kind of the rudder, if you will, with the, with the motor. So yeah, you have to control the throttle, but a lot of times you can kind of find that sweet spot and keep your hands a lot more free, um, for fishing. And that's what I've been doing. I actually, what I was doing today, I had the torpedo and was ripping around. I left my anchor in the car and I, I kind of regretted that there was a couple of times where, you know, I was like going back and forth, uh, holding the, holding with the uh with the motor but i would like to have just dropped anchor once i got there and really worked an area um a little bit better but um but yeah i would say and it depends like i said it depends on your waterways i've got areas here that i still wouldn't probably take the the motor um and i'm going to take the lightest boat i have i have a, a jackson kilroy right now um as kind of my like drag around um you know, pull behind me up the river in certain certain areas where um, the motor just wouldn't make as much sense, um, especially once I got there. Like, it might help me get there, but then once I'm getting out of the kayak and dragging it, now I've just got extra weight that I right. don't really need, right? Um, right. So, it just depends on on where you're at and what you're doing, but it can be a great, great tool for sure.
2: And I know, like, the, the Susquehanna can change you know you know one one week i'll go out and it'll be a foot deep and i'm like you said i'm getting out and walking i'm definitely not pedaling very much i'm more you know paddling what i can and then you know waiting the rest and but then you know we can have a, a couple of days of rain and then all of a sudden that spot's now five foot and i can pedal through it you yeah. know and and would be able to motor around a little bit better so um i, I like i said i definitely think it's it's on the horizon. Um uh, I have some convincing with the wife to do, but uh, <laughs> uh, it's definitely something probably in the not too distant future for me. So,
3: yeah, well, the cool thing is, is uh, uh, they're pretty simple to take on and off. And, you know, if you upgrade your kayak down the road, you can always swap that out. So Bring it with you.
2: Right, right. Yeah, I'm trying to help sell it for no. a while. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right. Honey, are you listening? No. <laughs> so. Awesome, dude. Well, you uh, I, I gave us a bunch of good information, I think, and uh, definitely a place to start. Uh, so, you know, for all the listeners out there who, you know, might be a little bit, uh, you know, intimidated by hopping on the river, just do your research, you know, find somebody uh, in your local area who, you know, you know, to go out with. I think that helped me a lot, too, is, you know, going out with some people who kind of knew what they were doing and can kind of point me in the right direction check out your local paddle sports dealers check for classes and stuff Um, that made a big difference for me as well um but yeah make sure you get out and just enjoy it because it it really i was really amazed at you know you know the quality of fish and quantity of fish that i caught once i got comfortable and now i wouldn't trade it for the world so yeah
3: it'll definitely ruin you for sure (laughs) and i mean like you said I think it's, it's always good to go. If you're river fishing to like, to try to find somebody to go with, um, you know, that, that knows, cause you'll learn so much, man, just in one trip with somebody that's done it. And the cool thing about the kayak fishing community is everyone's always like pretty open to sharing, uh, stuff with you. And, uh, you know, they might not share their favorite bait or their exact hole within the hole, but man, for the most part, I, you know, kayak fishing community is just awesome. So like don't be don't be intimidated to ask uh, people uh, to go out and and to help you learn or share a location
2: with you or whatever. So awesome, dude! Well, uh, I wanted to give you a chance to shout out uh, a where folks can find you, um, and then b uh, your sponsors and everybody uh, I know. Jackson, obviously, and yeah, sounds like Torquito and a couple others.
3: Yeah, so um, definitely follow uh, me at, at Jameson Redding on Instagram, uh, Jameson Redding Fishing on Facebook. Um, again, you know we're going to be launching a lot of the content for the show on uh, Jackson Kayak's uh, YouTube channel and on their platforms as well. So give them a follow on Jackson Kayak Fishing um, on Facebook and Instagram. And then, yeah, you know ha- I am blessed to have – Quite a few sponsors that i get to work with and uh team rain shadow that i got on the hats my rod sponsor nrs is um makes a lot of great gear for what we were talking about cold weather gear and safety equipment pfds um, so definitely check them out jackson kayak i could go through them cr bending branches torpedo um uh, wiley x sunglasses i'm gonna leave someone out and feel really bad about <laughs> it um but yeah i've got i've uh, lucky like i said and blessed to get to work with a lot of really cool brands um and z-man being one of them i talked about their chatter bait a lot and um when they're sold out i buy them so <laughs> that, that's my favorite bait for sure but uh yeah i appreciate you letting me come on man It was an, it was a wow. great time talking with you
2: yeah, I appreciate it, man. And if you're ever up in uh, my neck of the woods again, hit me up. Uh, you know, I'd love to go fishing with you.
3: Yeah, for sure. I'll definitely be back up there. That
2: that river is something special. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. Well, uh, everyone, um, I'm going to let Jameson uh, hop off real quick and because uh, I just have a few things to cover that I didn't cover at the beginning of this. Uh, just wanted to make sure we got him in. But uh, Jameson, if you want to hang out tight uh, after I get done, I'll chat with you. But if you need to go, okay. that's fine, dude. Yeah, so. Sounds good, man. All right. Thank you again for coming on. So, all right. Thanks for having me. Yep. All right, guys, real quick, just before we finish up, uh, I wanted to cover the two quick things that I missed at the beginning of the show. Uh, we have the uh, Palin Finn uh, tournament, the first tournament of the year at Dale Hollow Lake coming up on April 2nd and 3rd. Uh, we will be, uh, that's live on tourney X right now. So you can go sign up if you want uh, The Brian just did a live show earlier tonight. Uh, highlighting kind of a bunch of questions and answers. You can find that on the uh, Paddle and Fin Facebook page um, on YouTube as well. If you have any questions about that, we, he covered a lot of the questions and answers that we've been getting about that, but uh, make sure you go sign up and check it out. Uh, I know a bunch of the Paddle and Fin hosts will be there. I should be there. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to meeting a bunch of you guys that I've only talked to online or uh, have uh, only been chatting with. So I'm looking forward to meeting a bunch of people in person. I'm also looking forward to fishing down there because it's a beautiful place. I was down there uh, two years ago at the Paddle and Fin meetup, and I can't wait to get back down there. So, again, uh, uh, check that out on Tourney X and uh, sign up and come fish with us. Um, the, other, the last thing I want to talk about is the uh, Paddle and Fin Fantasy Kayak Fishing League that we got going on. If you go to paddleandfin.com slash fantasy, you can make your own team. Uh, there's uh, prizes, there's both quarterly prizes and end of the year prize for, you know, the kind of the person who has the, the top points overall. So just go on there, uh, build your team, you can change your team up every week, uh, and uh, go against us and the rest of the people. Uh, definitely, my team's kind of still hanging down in the standings, but I'm working my way back up slowly. So definitely check that out, guys. So Again, thank you all for listening. This has been the Bass Fishing for Noobs show on the Paddle and Fin Podcast, where we bring you the techniques, the tricks, and the tips to help you rip more lips. We'll catch you next time, guys. Have a good night.
0: Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode here on Paddle and Fin. Be sure to drop a five-star rating, a thumbs up, or smash that subscribe button on any platform you're listening in on. Be sure to check us out on Waypoint TV, waypointtv.com. Make sure you sign up for the Fantasy Kayak Fishing League at paddleandfin.com forward slash fantasy. You could support this show through Patreon, patreon patreon.com forward slash paddleandfin.